Welcome to an AONN Plus podcast event created to provide a platform to engage and inform membership on relevant topics which impact your professional practice. The focus is on the AONN Plus eight domains of knowledge. This podcast will highlight the Navigator Pledge that was developed in 2017. As a navigator, I pledge my head to share knowledge for informed decision making my heart to empower advocacy and loyalty, my hands to deliver compassion and remove barriers, my hope to embrace and preserve quality of life. Navigators have within themselves the inner strength, the power, and the fortitude to do what is needed for patients. They should never doubt their abilities, knowledge, or willpower to make things happen. Thank you for joining us as we honor the navigators, special people that make a difference in the lives of those around them. Welcome to the Academy of Oncology Nurse and Patient Navigators podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about how best to use advocacy organizations. I'm Elizabeth Franklin. I am Executive Director of the Cancer Policy Institute at the Cancer Support Community, and I also serve as co-chair of AONN's Policy and Advocacy Committee. And I am here with my colleague and friend, Clara. My name is Clara Lambert, and I'm the Director of Financial Navigation with TaylorMed. And I serve as co-chair along with Elizabeth on the Policy and Advocacy Committee. I'll get it all started with how I got into advocacy. I got into it because I see people in a lot of different financial situations as a financial navigator. I see people with no insurance. I see people with government insurance. I see people with commercial insurance. And I understand how different laws and policies can affect these individuals. Actually getting into patient advocacy was kind of a natural evolution for my type of a job. Yeah, I'm similar, Clara. I'm a social worker by training and background, and I was doing direct service social work in oncology and in a few other fields. And I realized pretty early on that there were some policy actions that needed to be taken in order for patients to get the services and resources that they need. So I have been working in advocacy and public policy for the last 15 years, most of which has been in oncology. And we definitely get to see how that macro and micro in terms of services really connects and how patients need both of those things in order to get the services that they need. So when we talk about patient advocacy, Clara, what is a patient advocate to you? Well, to me, it's somebody who speaks out on behalf of a patient. There's different ways you can do it. I, a couple of years ago, had the opportunity to go to Capitol Hill. And in getting prepared to do that, I learned that our senators and our representatives need to hear real life stories and that helps them in their decision making. And I've had the opportunity to go back now and I was surprised they actually remembered who I was, and that was pretty cool. But those real-life stories, so just being able to speak on somebody's behalf. 
Yeah, I think you're pretty memorable, Clara. So I wouldn't be so surprised by that. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I think that patient advocates can be everything from, like you said, someone who goes up to Capitol Hill or state legislatures, someone who makes the viewpoints of patients in an arc circumstance, cancer patients and survivors, um, make sure that their voice is heard. But I also think it's important to remind people that you don't necessarily have to go to Congress. You don't necessarily have to go to state legislatures. You can advocate for patients within your local community, within your organization. Let's say that you work in a hospital. You can advocate for policies that make the hospital a better place for patients. So while we would love everyone to to go up to Congress and to state legislatures, you don't have to. We, um, We are here. Folks like us who work on the AONN Policy and Advocacy Committee hope to provide the tools that people need in order to do that, but we also want to help people feel comfortable in any type of advocacy that they want to do. So I think one of the ways that most patients are socialized to advocacy is through different patient advocacy organizations. Organizations like mine, the Cancer Support Community, we work with patients across the country to provide social and emotional support services. We connect patients with social workers. We provide some financial counseling like you do, Clara. We have a helpline. We have an online digital presence. But I think many patients get into advocacy through different patient advocacy organizations. So I know that you work with many of those organizations. Clara, can you talk a little bit more about the ways that you work with patient advocacy organizations? So I've worked with a handful of different organizations, the American Cancer Society, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, National Patient Advocate Foundation, really just getting involved in different ways. Sometimes it's sharing the patient story. Sometimes it is getting involved and being on a panel in one of their state meetings. There's lots of different ways that you can get involved. And sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small. And then there's different sizes of organizations. There's also organizations that are more disease specific. I get involved a little more with the financial type of organizations. And there's organizations even that might be more community or regionally focused. I'm from the Midwest area and I originally came from Michigan and Family Reach is one, and it's a financial organization, and they help a lot of people in that area. Also, there's organizations that are more disease-specific, like the Pink Fund, and they advocate for breast cancer patients. They've got funds that they help with. There's just different ways you can get involved. Yeah, I think one of the points that you made is really important, Clara, that there's many national organizations, whether it's Cancer Support Community or ACS, the American Cancer Society, or COMEN or LLS. I think a lot of people get engaged with organizations on the national level. But from a navigator standpoint, I know that when I worked in a hospital with navigators, we often looked to the community. I think one of the most important things about patient advocacy for patient navigators and nurse navigators is knowing what's in the community, right? And saying, this is how we can tap into these local resources while also understanding that national level resources are important as well. Because I know from your perspective, you do a lot of financial counseling. So wherever the funding can come from, that's great. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important. But navigators may also be looking for ways to help someone who's homeless. And that's really going to be 
a local resource, whether it's a shelter or some way that they can help connect someone with really that kind of community-based help. So I think it's important to think about both national and local when we're thinking about patient advocacy. And I guess one question that we probably should have started with, but why do you think patient advocacy is important? Well, I'm going to answer this one more from my caregiver perspective, and we haven't spoken to this yet today, but 17 years ago, my husband was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and we had three young kids, and our cancer journey was actually relatively uncomplicated, but it was still overwhelming. And during that period of time, neither my husband nor I would have been able to really speak about our story or advocate for ourselves. Having a navigator or somebody that's out there that's willing and able to advocate for cancer patients is wonderful to have so that there's somebody there even when the patients aren't ready to tell them. Now, here I am, I'm ready now, but I wasn't then. So that's why it's important to me. That reminds me, Clara, I was just working on a presentation and one of my favorite quotes is by a cancer advocate named Ellen Stovall who has since um, passed away, but she would say that a cancer diagnosis temporarily diminishes one's ability to be self-reliant. And it's so scary for most people when you're diagnosed with cancer and you're just worried about getting to the next day and figuring out what treatment and for many people keeping a roof over their head, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so Mm -hmm. to think, well, I'm going to take a step back and advocate on behalf of all cancer patients is not always possible, right? It's not even always possible to advocate for yourselves. So I do think I agree with you that for those of us, I feel very fortunate to have the job that I have and that I get to advocate with and on behalf of cancer patients. And I'm a big believer that you can give patients the tools so that when they're ready, like you said, it took you a while to be ready, but when you are, then you're able to become an advocate and do that for yourself. But until then, that's why patient advocacy organizations are here to help. I really think of us as a piece of the social safety net to make sure that cancer patients and survivors and their families don't fall through that safety net, that we are here to advocate with and on behalf of them to provide resources and to help them really navigate. You're doing navigation every day, Clara, from a financial standpoint and really navigating patients to those resources and organizations to help them get what they need. So I totally agree. It's a very weird time for most people who are diagnosed with cancer, and that's why we're here to be able to help them. So I know we talked a little bit about what navigators should know about patient advocacy organizations and how they can utilize them. Let's think of a new navigator who hasn't worked with patient advocacy organizations before. What is one piece of advice that you would give them? I think there's so many. I think it would be good to start local. So get to know the local organizations in your area. I think that's the first thing. If you're a site-specific navigator, get to know the advocacy organizations for your cancer site that you work with. So like for me, my site is finances. So I have gotten to know the advocacy organizations that really concentrate on finances. Yeah. So really becoming familiar with those organizations that you go back to. And I think too, it's really important to have relationships, especially at the local and community level. Navigators are excellent at 
creating and maintaining relationships, but that's really how we get what we need for our patients is by knowing who to contact. And I'm also a huge believer in what's the worst that could happen. You could ask an organization if they have funding for something, or you could ask them to partner. The worst that they can say is no. So we do this work so that we can best advocate on behalf of our patients and with our patients. So go out there and make those relationships and ask for what your patients need because you never know what an organization will be able to help you with or provide or even start a new partnership. So I think, uh, and I completely agree with you, really know what organizations exist. So at the beginning of the podcast, we talked quite a bit about sort of public policy. And I know you and I think about patient advocacy and public policy being really inextricably linked because you advocate for policies to change. So can you talk a little more about that, Clara, in terms of you can advocate in your daily life, you can advocate in your hospital. But when we're thinking about big P policy that I think people can sometimes be overwhelmed with, and you talked about going to Capitol Hill and what that was like, how do you think those two things really link? Well, I think that the patient advocacy influences the public policy. The senators, the representatives, whether state or national, they need to hear from the patient advocates in order to make good, sound decisions when they're deciding on public policy. And they need to hear those real life stories. But, you know, we don't have to go there in person. We can send an email. We can write a letter. We can even give them a quick tweet. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I think that's really important. And one of the things that I think people are most surprised to find out, I think people think that legislators and members of Congress sort of know everything there is to know, but they have to be generalists. They're dealing with every possible issue that anyone cares about from farming to to healthcare to prisons and, and whatever it is. And so I found that when I've gone to Capitol Hill and talked about patient stories and what it's like in oncology, that members of Congress are really open to that and they want to hear more about about what's going on with cancer patients and survivors. So I would encourage any patient advocate to really make their voice heard. And like you said, go in person if you can, but if not, anything up to and including a tweet is an awesome way to engage with legislators and members of Congress. So I think that's great. And get involved with the AONN Policy and Advocacy Committee. We keep track of not only issues that impact patients, but also issues that impact the profession. So we are always looking to promote and protect the profession of navigation as well and we are always looking for new members. So I hope that people who are interested will reach out to us. So with that, Clara, I think we've come to the end of the podcast. Is there anything else you would like to say to navigators who are thinking about engaging in patient advocacy or have specific sort of questions about how best to engage with patient advocacy organizations? The only other thing I can think of that we haven't discussed it is a lot of hospitals actually have policy division also The hospitals that I've worked at, you can get on a mailing list and they'll keep you up with what's going on with policy and advocacy within the healthcare system as well. And I've found that that's usually aligned with what's going on overall in healthcare policy. And that's a good first step as well. And I'll totally second it. It was on my note to let everybody know that the policy and advocacy committee is currently open to new members. So please join us if you'd like to learn more about policy and advocacy. 
Yeah, that's great, Clara. Thank you. And, and I would also add that in addition to hospitals and universities that have policy departments, your patient advocacy organizations have policy departments. So whether it's Cancer Support Community, ACS CAN, which is a part of the American Cancer Society, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Komen, whatever issue you care about, whether it's site-specific or sort of patient access in general, there are ways to get involved. And so we encourage all navigators to get involved in patient advocacy and public policy. I really think it's a responsibility for us to do that because it's the way that we can best take care of our patients and help to make sure that their voice is heard. So with that, we appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. I had a lot of fun. It's always nice to hang out with my buddy, Clara, and hopefully we will talk to you again soon. Yep. Thank you, Elizabeth. It was great hanging out this afternoon. Thanks, Clara. Thank you for joining AONM Plus and today's engagement with key knowledge leaders to enhance your navigation practice or program. Please visit aonmonline.org for other navigation tools, education, and best practices to advance the role of patient navigation in cancer care across the care continuum.